Hi, welcome to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. In this podcast, we'll be discussing self-care routines, mindset practices, and mindfulness habits. We'll combat the stigma around mental health in order to create a safe and open community for people to connect and not feel alone. Focus on your mindset rather than your situation. It's a game changer. Grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Growth Mindset Gal podcast with your host, me, Allie Brooke. Happy Mindful Monday, my wonderful Growth Mindset gang. It is already the second week in September. Where is 2022 going, people? We're already in the burr months, but you guys, I am so ready for the burr months, okay? I am done sweating. <laughs> I am over it. I am ready for the crisp mornings, wearing sweaters. I'm ready for the pumpkin, everything like I've said before. I am ready for the sweaters and the soup. I am here for spooky season. All right. I am just waiting. And I always thought September is always so funny because like we go pumpkin picking and sweaters, but we're literally dripping sweat. (laughs) And then we want to go sit like in a winery, but then we're attacked by yellow jackets the whole time. So like September is like that weird, like in between of summer and fall. All I'm saying is I'm just ready for the cool weather. And it's funny that I say this now because in like two months when it's December, it's the dead of winter. I'm going to be like, I miss the sun. I miss being warm and all the being outside. But as I'm speaking in the present right now, I am ready (laughs) to stop sweating and wear nice, big, chunky sweaters and leggings and boots because I'm a millennial and I enjoy those simple things in life. So rant is over. Thank you again (laughs) for listening to my rants all the time. Thank you. And also thank you so much for the amazing support of this beautiful, wonderful community. You guys are flipping amazing. And I'm just so grateful for all the amazing opportunities that this podcast has been receiving because of your support. So if you're listening right now, Thank you for listening to it, to your commute to work. Thank you for listening while you're at the gym. Thank you for listening while you are washing the dishes, cleaning the house, doing laundry. Thank you for listening while you do your mundane tasks (laughs) of the everyday. And here we are just being grateful for those mundane tasks and romanticizing the mundane. I'm going to say mundane one more time. Mundane. So again, thank you guys so much again, for the amazing support. And speaking of the great opportunities, we have a wonderful guest with us today, Miss Edna Mendez. I'm going to introduce her in a little bit. Another wonderful opportunity that has graced our presence is the Your 20s Book Club series. That is starting next Monday, the 19th. So this is our last guest episode for a little bit. It's going to hop back to me and the mic for a five-episode mini-series which is going to be a book club. I am going to be going through the Your 20s book by Jessica Smith, which is obviously for us in our 20s. That's what we're talking about. All about the topics that truly matter when you are forming your identity in your 20s. And the five topics we're going to be talking about is self-love, a healthy mindset, 
relationships, careers, and body image, right? And all of those things. And because we have this wonderful opportunity, you can now starting September 5th, which was last week, you can get that book for 15% off. The link is in my bio. It's also in the show notes. It is hand signed and hand delivered. Well, hand-mailed by the author herself, Jessica Smith. And once you receive your copy, you also have access to the Slack book club discussion channel that is linked in the show notes, also linked in my bio at the Growth Mindset Gal. You guys can just hop onto that link. If you need to just download Slack, it is free. And then we are going to be going through discussions of each of the five parts of the book. And the author, Jessica Smith, is also in that Slack channel. So you can literally have conversations with me and the author about the book that we're reading together. It's going to be so much fun. I am so excited to go through with this book with you guys because I love to read. I know a lot of you guys love to read and I love a good self-development book. I love a good book about how to get through your 20s because it is a very pivotal time in our lives when we're forming and cultivating the life that that we want to live. So again, if you are interested in the book, 15% off once you go to checkout and you get it signed and mailed to you from the author herself and you have access to the Slack channel book discussion for the book club. All links are in the show notes. All links are in my Instagram bio. I am so flipping excited. And now... I am really flipping excited to introduce you our guest for today, Ms. Edna Mendez. Edna is a life coach, mentor, and friend. She helps individuals unlearn toxic cycles so that they can fall back in love with themselves. Her mission is to help people realize they have a choice in this world on the life they want to live. Oh my God, you guys. I had such an amazing time talking with Edna today. I literally felt like I went through a life coach session with her. We did not do like a meeting beforehand or a rehearsal beforehand. We just hopped on the Zoom link and we instantly connected and we were just talking about life. And the big topic that we were talking about was what are toxic patterns? Where do they come from? How do we heal our inner child? How do we make peace with our past and with ourselves? How to heal from the trauma of our past and live in the present? How to do the inner work? And I loved the open, raw conversation I had with Enda today. She was just so warm and welcoming and amazing and understanding while we were, you know, just having a real genuine and authentic conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy this and here we go. Hey, Growth Mindset Gang. Have you ever been super overwhelmed, anxious, or stressed in your life due to maybe your job, your relationships, your friendships, your family, and you have all this inner turmoil and it can seem like there is no way out? I felt that way. I remember when I was on the train to work one day and I had this super influx of anxiety and I didn't even know where it was coming from. And I would talk to my friends and family and significant others about it, but I needed something more. I needed to talk to a professional. And so I started going to therapy because I realized I shouldn't live like this and neither should you. So today's sponsor is brought to you by BetterHelp which is here to help you. 
BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you the access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is two days, you guys. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I actually used BetterHelp when I started my therapy journey. It was one of the first options I looked at because I felt like I was so busy all the time. When would I have time to go to find a therapist and then go to therapy? And I remember I took a very simple questionnaire and they matched me with a therapist. She was super helpful and useful. And I was able to text her whenever I was feeling anxious. And I was like, this is amazing. Right? And I know therapy can be a little intimidating at first and it kind of feels like dating and you kind of go through the different aspects and motions of it. But with BetterHelp, if you're not feeling the therapist that they gave you, they will switch it up and find someone better for you. So it takes the stress from you with finding a therapist that works. And you can request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And let me tell you, from my own experience with therapy, it is so amazing to talk to a professional about your anxiety and have them kind of go through specific scenarios and conversations with you so you don't feel alone. And they give you helpful tools in order to take on and combat your overwhelm, your anxiety, and your stress. Because you guys know, we shouldn't be living like this and we shouldn't be living stuck in our own heads and we should enjoy life. And talking to a professional can definitely help with us to switch our perspective and grow our mindset. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That's betterhelp.com slash the growth mindset gal. That link is going to be in my show notes. And if you're interested in therapy, this would be a beautiful, wonderful first step to see if this can work for you. And I hope you guys enjoy the services that it provides. And I hope that it helps you in your mindset journey. Mindset Gang, we have a, a fabulous guest with us today, Miss Edna Mendez, and we are going to be tackling some amazing conversations about getting rid of our toxic patterns, people pleasing, perfectionism, and really taking power into our own selves. So, Miss Edna, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Would you like to introduce yourself to the Growth Mindset Gang? Yes. Hi, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. We're excited, a little nervous, but all good. Um, I'm really excited for this opportunity to talk about toxic cycles and how to heal from that, overcome that. And let's get this started. All right, let's dive right in. So the first question that I have is how do toxic patterns even start? And then what are the first steps to healing from them? Great question. I love that question because that's what we want to know. Like, why are we the way we are? How come I keep getting into these relationships or friendships or whatever the situation is? 
Mm-hmm. And it really starts from childhood. Mm-hmm. It starts these patterns we learn early on in childhood because we are ashamed, we're rejected, we're embarrassed, we're humiliated, so forth by one of our family members or a person in our immediate circle. And from that moment, we feel shamed. We feel like we need to protect ourselves from getting shamed again. And if we don't heal that in childhood, adult and teenage teenage years, I mean, we carry that into adulthood. And then we continue with the same patterns and we kind of get into this survival mode, mm-hmm. the same survival mode we were in, ch- in childhood, right? right? So I like to teach through examples and that's my thing. I love examples. So for example, mm-hmm. I'm, I'll give you my own personal story. Mm-hmm. So I fell into the people pleasing pattern. That was my thing, people pleasing. And it's because I was always rewarded for being the good girl. Mm-hmm. I was rewarded and praised every time I fit into the role my family wanted me to go into, right? Mm-hmm. And every time I was myself or I was loud or I was just being me, it was very much rejected, shame, saying you're not supposed to be like that. So when you get in, when you start believing I'm not supposed to be like that, you hide. You hide your true self and then out emerges this hurt self and that's what you take out into the world mm-hmm. yeah that's I thank you for sharing that too because once you said that I resonated with it so much because I think I had a very similar upbringing where I was the good kid I was the good sister yeah. I was a younger sister and I had to everyone always told me learn from your big sister's mistakes so that meant mm-hmm. that my older sister was allowed to make the mistakes I needed to learn from them. So whenever, like you said, whenever I was good and I did something well, or I got good grades, I was always praised for being smart. I was praised for being the more well-behaved sister and things like that. So then, like you said, you get that in child and you bring it into adulthood. And now I'm sitting here as an adult, I I'm healing from it, but let me tell you, People pleasing yeah. is intense. Perfectionism is intense. Anxiety is heavily intense yeah. because I fear failure all of the time or fear of like looking like I don't know what I'm doing, like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. And I was like, as an adult, I'm like, why am I like this? Why do I have anxiety? What is going on? Because in my eyes, I was pretty successful. Like I went to college and I became a teacher and I've been teaching since then. Like, what am I, what's going on? Like, why, why do I feel anxious and have all these feelings? And therapy is a beautiful thing. Beautiful, <laughs> amen, amen. Going through therapy, we were able to dig into the childhood, finding the cause of why did I have these toxic patterns of never feeling like I'm good enough or the imposter syndrome, they're going to figure out I don't know what I'm doing, you know, not knowing how to set boundaries and just saying yes to, you know, everything with work and friendship and family. And once I told my therapist that story, she's like, oh, that's where it comes from. You were always the good kid and you were yeah. never allowed to you know, be a kid and fail or like experiment and try things because you were given the identity of you're the good kid. You're the shining yeah. star, right? Yes. And you said something that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you make a good point these patterns intertwine. So people pleasing leads to perfectionism and perfectionism leads to procrastination. And they're all intertwined because if you think about it, if you're in the people pleasing mode, you have to be in this role of constantly performing. And Mm -hmm. that's where perfectionism can come in because you're expected to behave a certain way. And when you don't behave like that, you are again, shamed. Mm -hmm. So that's where you, you feel the need to always 
be perfect. I need to have my shit together. Yep. I need to be overprepared. I need to do this. And when all that comes to your mind, anxiety might pop up because it's all these thoughts, overwhelming feelings. Yep. And then we procrastinate on it. Oh, well, I'll go, I'll get to it later. I'll do it later. I'll do it later. But it's really fear speaking. It's the fear of fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being lovable. All these fears pop up because of that pattern we learned in childhood. Isn't that crazy? It's like, oh my gosh. I realized like how, because granted like, and everyone always says it for the most part, when we don't realize this as adults, where it's coming from, like, oh, well, I had a good childhood, you know, I was yeah. in a loving home and I had great memories and like, that's all well and good. But remember that, you know, you had a good childhood, but still things, microaggressions and like things like that, they, they do leave a mark. And it's not like, you know, your family's, you know, bad or you had bad yeah. parents and like stuff like that. But, you know, you got to remember your family were humans yeah. too. So they're going to make mistakes that, you know, your inner child, you know, absorbed and now we're into adulthood and we're trying to figure mm -hmm. things out because I, when I have conversations with people they're like oh well I had a great childhood and nothing you know nothing wrong happened my parents were supportive and things like that which is beautiful but things still do happen that do leave you know a lasting mark like a little example of like how small things can be whenever I was still to this day the spill queen I will spill things all over the place it's intense and every time because I'm just like talking with my hands you know just like all over the place yeah so every time I spilled something like I literally every time my mom would be the you know like Jesus Christ Alexandra like what are you doing like why can't you never spill things all the time and I gotta clean up like it was always like a reaction to something mm -hmm. like that that small little tiny tiny thing and so then my brain's like, I can never spill anything, right? Right. So that then leads to, I can't make mistakes. Yes. I might get, you know, a reaction, right? So yeah. that's what I'm saying. We're like, it's really important to dive into your childhood to realize the adult that you became because those little tiny things. And again, like I love my parents. I love my childhood, but those little things, they do add up and lead into your adulthood. So it's super important if you're sitting here like as a full-blown woman being like, why am I like this? What's yeah. going on? Diving deep into the inner child and kind of seeing you know, patterns that came up is such an important okay. part of your inner work and self-healing. So talking about those toxic patterns, how can you know women take the first steps to healing from those childhood things that happened to them? That's a great question. And just first, I want to give you feedback on what you said. That was beautiful, the way you said it, the way you framed it. Absolutely. We think some people believe like, oh, I, nothing happened like that to me in childhood. Why am I still like this? And like you said, it's like, like the micro acts that you don't realize make the biggest impact. Like if you were told, don't cry. Now you have a hard time expressing your emotions. Or you, you were saying like you were spilling things. Now you fear making mistakes and it's all these little things that do add up. Mm -hmm. And to heal from that, you really have to take a step back and be willing mm -hmm. to see your own behavior, accept certain behaviors are not healthy and kind of go from there. And, and this is what I tell people. We only know what we know. And if we knew how to figure it out, we would do it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to um, seek professional help mm -hmm. if you only know a certain amount of information. Because mm -hmm. it's great to have friends. It's great to talk to someone. But the, what happens, what tends to happen with friends is they'll give you advice 
that best benefits you or advice that um, doesn't really, how, how can I say it's, it's a little it's biased. counterproductive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's biased. It's biased. It's counterproductive because you're telling the person what they want to hear, and sometimes we need to hear the things we don't want to hear in order to move on. Right? It's hard for some people to hear the feedback and say, "Okay, it's actually me. It's me doing the hurt. It's me doing the damage." And you have to be willing and open to accept that that's step number one because if you're not willing to see your flaws or see how you can change or change your behavior then you're not going to grow because you're unwilling to take that first step mm -hmm. and then you have to really take a step back and say okay now that I'm self-aware of what I'm doing how can I change and it changes by the smallest acts in your behavior for example if you are someone who wants to get out of your comfort zone but yet you're coming home after work, staying home in all day after work, then you're not going to achieve that goal of yours of coming out of your comfort zone because you're still choosing to do the actions that keep you safe. Right. You know, so you it's really you wanting to want the change and then doing the steps, action steps to get you there. And then it helps even more if you have that extra support, like that coach or the therapist or the counselor that can help you even more further help you achieve your goals because when you have that help it's like oh oh my gosh like I didn't realize yeah yeah what about you do you have any feedback or input on that yeah I love that I love that you brought up that like yes you want to maybe make the change and like hold yourself accountable but then you have to really do the steps to get there so yeah. well, first of all I love that you brought up that you know if you go to work and then you just come home and stay home for the rest of the night and like don't do anything towards working towards change or healing it's not going to happen at all and so I even realized and I know people are like oh but when I come home from work I'm just so tired I was cooked yeah. dinner and I watched Netflix and blah, 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 blah. And there's nothing wrong with those things either but come home cook the dinner maybe watch a little Netflix then sit with yourself maybe journal out how was your day like have a little yeah. reflection with yourself maybe read your favorite book and kind of you know unwind or I love reading self-development books like that's what I do before I go to sleep just read your self-development yeah. book and things like that and the big thing too is also like like I said, talking to a professional has been the highlight of my mindset journey. Because like you said, where if you talk to a family member, you know, a sibling or a friend and you want advice on something, they'll give you, like you said, what you want to hear or like what they think is best. Yeah. Where when you talk to a professional who is non-biased, they don't know you from a hole in the wall. They don't know any of the people that you're talking about. They're just hearing your perspective. They're able to unwind and like really reverse engineer where your thoughts are coming from. Because Amen. at the end of the day, they're thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then we give those thoughts power. That's you, right. The snaps. I like when I realized that I was like, oh my God, it's me. Like you said, it's me where mm -hmm. I see a lot of, you know, TikToks and stuff that bring up a, this um, notion of yes, maybe your family, your parents, whatever, you know, damaged you in some way as your child and your inner child needs healing. It's up to you though, to do the healing. Don't expect, to, right? don't expect to go to them and be like, you did this to me when I was young and want like an apology and give, you know, you're giving the, your power of healing to them where yeah. me, I sat with myself and I was like, you know what? Yeah, this happened when I was young and this, you know, created my anxiety as an adult, but I can make the decision of I'll forgive what happened, right? 
to me as a kid and forgiveness doesn't mean like, oh, everything's hunky dory and blah, blah, blah. Forgiveness means I forgive what happened and now I'm moving on, you know, with my life and taking the accountability of, I have the power to heal my inner child. Let me become the adult that I needed when I was younger, because a lot of people, they say stuck, right? They kind of say stuck in that trauma of the experience and it's totally okay to feel it, go through it, understand it, and then realize, oh, like, that's why I act the way that I act. But then it's up to you to be like, okay, so what are my next steps? How am I going to heal from what happened to me in the past? Cause I'm, a, I'm an adult now. So it's up to me to figure it out. For example, um, I used to be heavily like reactive, like in conflicts, mm. I would yell, scream the whole, the whole nine yards. And I learned that from my childhood because I grew up in a big Italian family. So the loudest person wins, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's and so when I went to therapy and I was you know, talking about that, she was like, yeah, but did you ever find solutions? And I was like, uh, no, I never, we, you would, we would fight and yell and scream at each other. And then a few hours would go by and then no one would like, it would just go back to normal. You know, like no, there was no resolution. Yeah. It was just like, oh, for like, just forget about it and just move on. And that's how I thought you would solve conflicts. Where like, I'm mad at you. I'm going to let you know that I'm mad. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to hold it against you and hold it over you until time happens. And I just, you know, get over it. And talking to a professional, she was like, ah, I don't even start really the best coping mechanism that you can yeah. do where there's a way that you can express your emotions and express how you're feeling. And then also find a solution to the problem that you were arguing about and maybe respond to conflict rather than react to conflict. Yes. I love that. You gotta, you gotta figure, you know, you gotta figure that stuff out, you know, on your own. Absolutely. You, you talk a lot about blame versus accountability, Mm -hmm. how we shouldn't blame people. And a big part of healing is learning to take full responsibility for your actions. And if you think about it, responsibility is the ultimate mark of an adult because you're saying it's me. It's not everybody. I'm being mature and showing how I, my actions are contributing to my downfalls. Right. Mm -hmm. And then exactly what you were saying right now about everything, it just all, it all correlates and all makes sense. And we just Mm got to really keep pushing forward to heal. If not, those same toxic cycles are going to repeat, repeat, repeat until you know, you feel burned out or exhausted or for the rest of your life. It's mm-hmm. up to you. Yeah. Cause then I think people usually come to the accountability once they get to that burnout stage of their toxic patterns. I think yeah. that's when like the realization where you just can't take how you're living your life anymore. Like emotionally. I remember I was you know on the train going to work one day and I was just like, engulfed with such anxiety and that like never happened before. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, why do I, why do I feel like this? You know, like I have a good family, a good relationship, a good job, you know, I'm healthy. Like, why am I feeling this way? And it was because my body, like this holding on to so much trauma from my past. And that's why the anxiety, you know, was happening. So I was like, I don't want to feel like this. This is terrible. I do not want to live my everyday life 
feeling all of these, you know, anxious thoughts and it was controlling my life yeah. and my decision-making. And so that was like the point where I was like, no, 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 I, nope, this ain't it. <laughs> this, yeah. is not, this is, this is not a way, you know, to live because there's, I want to enjoy living life. I don't want to be tied down with my anxious thoughts leading to the decisions that I'm making and, you know, how I perceive life, you know, and things like that. So, and like you said, it intermingles with them. The anxiety leads to the perfectionism, the people pleasing, the imposter syndrome. And that's just, it's not a fulfilling life to live. And so mm -hmm. people that are, you know, in our mid to late twenties, early thirties, we're kind of sitting now, us millennials, we're sitting here feeling, you know, we you see everywhere, right, on social media that millennials, we're just like unfulfilled and we like don't know what to do. And because we grew up with, if you, you know, go get good grades, if you go to college, you get the degree, you'll get your dream job, the dream house, the dream family. And life is very different, <laughs> you know, yes, our parents were, were our age, right? Yeah. And we're realizing that this is, this ain't it. <laughs> this is not the way yeah. that, you know, we're living life. So it's kind of really nice though, to see like the millennial and Gen Z generations kind of realizing that the way that we were living our lives is not sustainable. And there's like just better ways to live. And I, I love that our generations, yeah, they are going to therapy or getting a mentor, mm -hmm. or getting a life coach. I think that's such a beautiful step because it's showing that we are realizing the accountability of, okay, yeah, that stuff happened to me, but now let me go on my healing journey. Yes, I love that. And I also want to touch some touch bases on something you brought up, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think that you make us you make such a good point with anxiety. Because for the longest time, it wasn't talked about. If you think about our age group, um, we are barely talking about it, openly talking about it. My family doesn't know about anxiety. Does yeah. your family know about anxiety? No. Yeah, it's like things like these conversations don't really happen. So these conversations are starting to pop up in dinner tables and just pop up in general. And with families, it's so important to talk about. Because if you don't talk about these things, it just builds up, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. With my anxiety, it builds up. I, I had anxiety very early on didn't know it was anxiety just thought I was weird something yeah. was going on yeah right it's like what is this um, but then <laughs> but then what it builds up it builds up and you have to be able to kind of let go of that all those emotions that you're feeling um accept to be okay with it and let it go right because that's a healthy relationship with your emotions you just don't want to uh, not avoid certain emotions you want to embrace it feel it and then mm -hmm. exit it Right. And then with anxiety, finding ways to help you move forward, because anxiety is one of those things that can control your life. One hundred percent. It can consume you. You can be anxious all the time, but it takes like um, a lot of work to overcome that. A lot of coping mechanisms, tools, resources. OK, how can I breathe? What is my breathing right now? What is the strategy I can do? I'm having a panic attack. How can I move forward? Like these things, questions we should answer. We should talk about them. Mm -hmm. You know, these are important topics to talk about. And I love that we're now in a society that we're openly talking about it, expressing our anxiety, sharing our stories, because it's a lot of us, not just a few of us. Yeah, because you know why? I think there was such a heavy stigma about mental health, like before our generation. So like our yeah. parents, grandparents, unfortunately, like a lot of mental health illness, quote unquote, people would then be sent to, you know, a psych ward and be deemed as crazy, right? 
And yeah. that's, it's not the case where, you know, when you have anxiety, you, you do think, am I like, am I crazy? Like what's, what's going on? And I remember when I started actually going to therapy, I didn't want to tell my family because I was afraid mm -hmm. of, they'd be like, why are you going to therapy for, you know, because the unfortunate stigma around it was people go to therapy when they're broken, which is like, mm -hmm. no, now, obviously that's not true. It's actually the opposite. You don't want to become broken. So you go to therapy. Yeah. And it, when I, when I first was going, it was a, a shame that like, I held back of like telling my parents that I was, you know, going to therapy because I felt that they would feel like, you know, guilty of like, oh, like, did I not do a good enough job parenting you? Why do you need to go mm -hmm. see a therapist? You had a good life. Like th those sort of things that popped up. Um, but actually when I did eventually tell them, they were like, at first they're like, oh, like why? And like, what happened? And things like, they were like more curious rather than judgmental. And then, you know, now, oh, yeah. And now they're, they love, they like, you have I've seen so much progress because you went to therapy. They complimented yeah. more. So I think, the reason there was like so many stigmas about it, like you said, because it wasn't talked about. And now that it's being talked about more, there's no longer this like weird, eerie stigma around like mental health because it's becoming so more commonly discussed, even in school. Like we yeah. have lessons now as teachers called SEL, social emotional learning, where we're implementing into our regular lessons of, you know, coping skills, meditation, how to, you know, cope with stress, how to express our emotions in like a healthy way where I'm sitting here like, dang, I wish I had this when I was in the I would have, yeah. you know, healed a whole lot faster if this was, you know, there, but as long as like, you know, we're taking that step now for the future generations is, you know, that's a, you know, a beautiful step. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we continue healing one person at a time, and then that's going to have a snowball effect on their friends and so forth and their family members. And let's just continue healing. That's my motto. Like, we can help one person at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a beautiful domino effect. So one of the big, the biggest things when I like talk to, you know, people our age, especially women too, is there's a whole lot of perfectionism going on. Yeah. Oh, like some of like in some form we have this hard perfectionism. So what are some ways that women can, you know, in small steps overcome this perfectionism that surrounds their lives? I love this question because I get a lot of clients with perfectionism, that pattern, and they're like, I don't understand. And this pattern is very interesting because it go like I said earlier, it does go hand in hand with people pleasing mm -hmm. and perfectionism to overcome it, you first need to have a lot of compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. That's step number one, compassion, because for the longest time, there was a lot of pressure put on you to be perfect. There was a lot of pressure to uphold this image. There was a lot of pressure, pressure, pressure. And that's a lot. Mm -hmm. So first being okay. That was a lot when I, when I was a child and I have compassion for myself because that happened. And now moving forward. Mm -hmm. Another way is definitely learning to laugh at yourself mm -hmm. learning to be learning to be okay with making mistakes learning to let go of this need to have everything perfect and um a great example i give all the time is my social media mm -hmm. so i had this perfectionist mindset starting life coaching two years ago mm -hmm. i wanted to have everything perfect I needed the perfect camera, the perfect lighting, the perfect background. Right. And for the longest time, I procrastinated on posting because every time I would record, it was like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And then on top of that perfectionism, I had a lot of dependency, meaning that I needed a lot of 
reassurance from my partner before I could post. I would tell him, check, check, make sure this is good. This sounds stupid. I sound stupid. Oh my God, all these thoughts. And it was two patterns coming hand in hand, really um, consuming me and not letting me achieve my goals because of these patterns. So it came down to me learning to trust myself, let go of needing that reassurance and just doing it. And so what I started doing is I stopped asking him for permission or approval or reassurance or any of that. I stopped all that. I stopped going to him and saying, check it for me. Mm -hmm. Instead, I let my mind be creative. I just started doing it. My heart, I just started putting my headphones on and doing it, writing, typing, acting, all of that. And it, boom, it blossomed. I was finally able to be myself. I let go of that need of everything being perfect. And also just laughing at yourself. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of public speaking and I know for public speaking, you're in a stage, you're in front of people and that perfectionism might come to you. Like, what if you make a mistake? What if you say something dumb? In those moments, if you say, make a mistake or say something that wasn't part of your script, embrace it, go with it, learn to laugh at it. Learn to laugh at yourself. Go like, (laughs) I can't believe I did that. Mm -hmm. And watch the audience connect with you in a better way because you're more genuine you're real you're not trying to be like this picture perfect person when I go to talks if I have any anxiety I'll tell them like I feel like a little anxious Mm -hmm. but I still try I still try I still try to be myself because that's what people connect with most genuine and that's and that all comes from letting go of the need to be perfect Mm -hmm. letting go with all of that and just being compassionate towards yourself and saying I'm okay I'm fine and I'm trying my best Mm-hmm. I love that because mm-hmm. just giving yourself first step is, is the grace, the compassion, where when I started to you know think about it, I was like, you know what, what would be the worst case scenario if I did make the mistake? Oh, that's the worst case scenario. Am I going to survive that worst case scenario? Okay. I'm going to be fine. Right. Yeah. And I love that you talked about with public speaking because as a teacher, like I learn a public speak on a daily basis and yeah. I do the same thing where like, it's so important to laugh at yourself. Like in a middle of a lesson, if I make a mistake, if I mispronounce something or I forget to do something, you know, I laugh with the kids about it and, you know, they see you as a person. I think when when you're a perfectionism, people don't see you as a person, you know, Mm -hmm. and you want to have this, you know, persona of like, oh, she always has it together, right? She always knows what's going on. But then there's this like, ingenuine sort of feel and then when you make the mistake or when you you know laugh at yourself don't take things so seriously like you said you make those deeper connections with people and you know what when you let your guard down they let their guard down right they're like oh she's not perfect either neither am i i'm like oh yeah like this is fantastic like we're people we're human this is great we're like, even before we started this podcast, like, you know, you said you're nervous. I'm like, I'm nervous too. Like, it's fine. Like once we start rolling with the questions, it'll be fine. And it's so nice because then you make the genuine connection. And so realizing that no one knows what they're doing. Honestly, we're all just figuring, like, I remember I realized that because I thought once you become like when you're in your twenties and like you're an adult, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you have, they know everything that they're doing. And then I became an adult and I realized everyone around me is, oh, we're just, we're all just figuring life out one day at a time. We don't actually know what we're all doing. We're just figuring it out step by step. And it's totally okay 
for like, for example, like with perfectionism, hate asking questions. I never wanted to ask a question for help. Never, ever, ever, ever. Cause I didn't want to seem like I didn't know what was going on. And then with perfectionism, I feel like that's really isolating when you do that because you're like, well, mm. I'm, I'm, I need to be perfect. I'm not going to ask for help from anybody. So I'm just like, you, all this pressure is then on yourself to get whatever you need to get done. And then you realize, well, this is not a sustainable habit <laughs> to have yeah. because it's burnt out all the time. And so once I realized it's okay to ask for help, doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. That's okay. Like you still are very competent of whatever you're doing. You're a very intelligent person. Just because maybe you don't know everything under the sun, you need some help, doesn't mean you're a bad person. So I think we need to, when we have perfectionism, we need to really just take a deep breath and break down that wall, you know? Because at the end of the day, we're not all that, we're more common than different than we really think about it because we're kind of all kind of going through the same emotions and patterns and, you know, stuff like that. I completely agree. And you said that really well, because that's exactly a lot of people's thoughts. Like I'm the only freak in this world. I'm the only one who is dealing with this. No one understands. It's a lot of us. It's a lot of us. It's more common than we think. And if we can open open, have an open discussion about that and freely talk about it, then we'll be able to heal together as a community, you know? So I really like how you put that. Um, and just being, true to yourself is what I'm getting out of this conversation to be authentically you don't be afraid to be yourself it's okay if someone laughs at you it's okay if you laugh at yourself it's okay if you make a mistake you know having these thoughts and it's really your mindset and changing those negative thoughts and reframing them so they can help you move forward because you might still have anxiety when you're doing that public speaking for example Mm -hmm. and it's just changing that thought into like breathe you'll be fine. You'll be okay. You've got this instead of, Oh my gosh, I'm having anxiety. I'm going to panic. What if I miss that? You know, that's going to have a different, completely different effect on your outcome. So just keeping that in mind and yeah, going from there, mm-hmm. you know? And I love that I, that you brought up too, that like, you know, internal dialogue is so important saying like, I got this. It's okay if I'm a little nervous and anxious, but I know I'm going to nail it. I know what the anxiety is going to go away once I'm just in there and in my element and doing my thing because when you don't have that like inner dialogue of you are going to figure this out, it's going to be okay. I know you're anxious right now. I know you, you want to, you know, feeling perfectionism right now. That's okay. Where if you don't do the inner dialogue, that's where the perfectionism, the anxiety really takes over and you go into this, you know, the spiral all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's all these spiraling thoughts. If I'm not good enough, I can't do this. I don't know what's going on, but all the negative you know thoughts that are going on in your mind. And so just really practicing the inner voice that you have getting to know her, maybe give her a name, you know, and really just have, (laughs) be that person that's talking to themselves, you know, it's okay to talk to yourself because it's so soothing and comforting when you take control of the thought and being like, you know what, I'm really nervous about this right now, but I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to figure it out because then all of a sudden, your breath calms down, your heart rate mm-hmm. calms down, and then all of a sudden you get into that rest and digest mode instead of the panic because you can't find a solution in a panic. Where do you find the solution? When you're in the rest and digest and you calm. Amen. Down, you know? yes. it's, it's, it's insane what our 
what our brain does to us. It, you know, mm -hmm. it really is sometimes. And so kind of moving on to, you know, a similar topic of, I love the post that you made recently about life traps. And I was mm -hmm. like, Ooh, this is so interesting. So can you first explain what are life traps, you know, and some examples of them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's from this book. First, I can't take the credit. Oh, she's it's, got it. there it is. it's such a good book. I'm like, Oh, I like textbook style books. And that's what this is. It's more like textbook style. Mm -hmm. But basically our life traps are patterns we learn in childhood that we repeat in adulthood. And these patterns form formulate when we are shamed or rejected. And we avoid that feeling of shame and rejection in adulthood by staying in that pattern. And that's what really a life trap is. It's us getting trapped in our life patterns. Mm -hmm. And some examples would be people pleasing, perfectionism, dependency, victimization. Um, there's 11 of them they, made, they name in the book, but those are the top ones that come into my mind. Vulnerability, did I say dependency already? Yeah, like those are some, for example, like let's say um, dependency, someone who constant, constantly needs support, reassurance, exactly like the example I gave you earlier, like needing that reassurance for my partner. Mm -hmm. And I found myself that, I'm like that a lot, like where I needed to be dependent. And it's because I learned that in childhood. I learned, I saw that from my father, constantly needing my help, constantly needing everyone to help, everyone to help them. He needed support all the time. Mm -hmm. And so now I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like that too. I need support all the time from my partner and I don't want to be like that. So to combat that, I had to learn a lot of independency. I had to learn, okay, Edna, you can't go outside with your support object or person, go out there and do it by yourself, little by little, and learning to just take care of yourself. And that's a way to combat it, like combat the dependency pattern is learning to be dependent, learning to hold yourself um, accountable, learning to go out there, throw yourself out there, who knows? And, then, mm -hmm. and that's another way of trusting yourself. Yeah, And these patterns can definitely be broken. It's not like you can, you have this pattern and that's it. You mm -hmm. can't be healed. No, you can heal, but it takes a lot of work from your end. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, what's so funny that you brought that up as your, the life trap that you have. I feel like I was the exact opposite where I think that's the mistrust one where I was like hyper mm -hmm. independent. We're like, no, I'm going to do it myself. No, I'm going to do it myself. So I like hated asking for reassurance or asking for help. And, you know, I always had like, the story I would tell myself is, you know, I'm an independent woman who like doesn't need anyone and things like that, which like is good, but you need like the balance. And mm -hmm. so I was like thinking, I was like, where did this, why am I so hyper independent? Where did this come from? Therapy, the beautiful thing of doing the inner work. And I realized I was super independent. It was because my sister was super dependent. So a lot of my mm -hmm. parents' attention went to my sister and what was she doing? And she needs the guidance and things like that. So then I was in left to then figure things out, you know, for myself and be yeah. you know, independent. And I was praised for that. It, it was always, oh, Allie can like entertain herself. You know, she's fine. Just doing things on her own. You never need to worry about her and things like that. Where my sister needs like the constant attention of like playing and stuff like that. She couldn't keep herself occupied, mm -hmm. so, but I could. So then I'm like, oh, that's why I'm just so, I, I'm the life trap of, you know, independence. Mm. And can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead. And also, because you said something, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah. It also relates to not getting your emotional needs supported. 
you know, that's it. Like you weren't, your needs were, your emotional needs were not met. So now you have that life trap of like, now you have a distance. Now you feel like you can't get too close to people because that emotional need might come out or you might be vulnerable. And that's scary because you didn't have that vulnerability as a child. And that's why you keep that, that wall up, that guard up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, continue what you were saying, yes. <laughs> okay, so I was saying that your emotional needs were not met. So you have this wall up, right? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, you have a difficult time trusting, right? Mm-hmm. Trusting people. And in order to combat that, in my opinion, I believe you cannot give what you don't have. And if you mm-hmm. don't trust yourself, you won't be able to trust other people. Mm-hmm. So in order to combat that, you need to learn to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And you trust yourself by keeping the promises you make to yourself. Mm-hmm. So when, let's say you start opening up to new people and you're vulnerable again, and you're still hesitant, you've built that must mind muscle of trusting yourself that let's say someone was to come into your life mm-hmm. you'll you trust yourself enough to handle that situation you mm-hmm. trust yourself like if this person tries to harm or hurt me i know how to handle it mm-hmm. and it's because you built trust within mm-hmm. you know that's that's beautiful because it's so funny how i just like said something and then you were like this is why it happens i'm like you just read me like a dang book i was like yeah. oh my God. <laughs> i literally I, I always say like i at first because you know i'm in like now I'm in a three-year relationship with my significant other, Nate. Aww. And um, I used to hate being vulnerable. I could, oh, it, it gave me the ick. I was like, no, like I want to be fun and, you know, woohoo. And like just having a good yeah. time and like, you know, laughing and joking around and things like that. But then when it came to being vulnerable, I was like, eee, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not comfortable with being vulnerable and like sharing my soul, you know, like bare, putting down the wall and things like that. And so, and I love that you put it that, what you give to yourself you then can then project to others whether it's a friendship or romantic relationship even your family because that's what i think is really happening on like even a grander scheme of things with just like you know our generation in general where you know it's it's really hard for people to feel okay to be vulnerable right because i think we all grew up with the same mentality of you know it's a dog eat dog world and you need mm. to like handle yourself and be super independent and not depend on anyone else. And it was a very like isolating, you know, being brought up that way. Because if you really look back on like, you know, maybe our parents' generation, even our grandparents' generation, it was always like helping your neighbor, you know what I mean? And being there for like your community and stuff like that. So it was a strong like dependency and depending on family and stuff mm. like that. So now we like really shifted from that where it's like, no, it's, independent and then you know you handle yourself and stuff like that where it's like no it needs to be like a really nice balance of like yeah you can handle yourself you can handle things but also it's okay to let people take care of you and be safe with people right that was a big like mind muscle to build coming from that you know childhood and you know go being in a relationship really does on both ends like you're there to really help each other grow and kind of see, you know, building better mind muscles for yourself. And with my significant other, with Nate, he was okay with being vulnerable. Like he, Mm -hmm. that came very natural, you know, to him. So it was really nice to, you know, be with someone that I was able to then shed the wall and then, you know, be like the surrender of, you know what, let me then be vulnerable and get out of that life trap. Right. And grow and grow from it. It's scary though. Like everything we're talking about isn't like, oh, just do it tomorrow and you're going to be fine. 
know, everything that we brought up, it's all a process. Yeah, definitely. It's all, it's all a, you know, a journey. And I don't want people to be like listening to like, oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. My life is going to be great. And, you know, if I, if I just shift my mindset, it's, you know, I'm going to live like this wonderful life where it's really important to do the reality of you're a human. Things are going to happen to you. Right. And life is full of these ebbs and flows. And what you're learning is from, you know, the toxic patterns and healing yourself and stuff like that is how to then adapt and change to then the ebbs and flows that are kind of going through your life. Absolutely. Yeah. You brought up something very important. There is going to be a lot of resistance. Mm. Why? Because you're challenging years and years and years of how you thought things were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm healed. I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be like face to face with your old self, old belief, old limiting beliefs. And that's something that I also want to bring up, like limiting beliefs. Yeah. Those are the beliefs that hold you back. Those are the beliefs that you believe are true, but then you have to question, are they really true? Like, for example, there's a belief that vulnerability is a bad thing. Vulnerability is a weakness. Vulnerability Mm -hmm. is going to make you susceptible to getting more hurt. You know, there's all these, those are limiting beliefs. And then your example with Nate, Mm-hmm. you have a limiting belief right that vulnerability is something you're not able to do and then you met someone who challenged that limiting belief mm-hmm. Nate mm-hmm. and then because you challenged that belief you started changing your perspective you're like hmm mm-hmm. maybe this belief might not be true mm-hmm. maybe there's truth to another way there might be another way of handling things mm-hmm. and then that's how you can com- combat another limiting belief is really challenging it challenging it is this really true mm-hmm. what is this belief holding me back from or how is this belief helping me grow ask yourself these questions or ask a professional these questions and mm-hmm. go over these things because these are questions that should be addressed and must be addressed if you want to heal yeah you know? I love that too, that it's really important to, I think a great way to really get through and overcome your limiting beliefs is the experience of going through the limiting belief. Like first, yeah, question like, is this something I should be you know, t- telling myself? And then the next step is like doing an experience that really gets you through that limiting belief. Maybe, you know, it might be a person, maybe it'd be your career, a family member, anything could happen that all of a sudden you need to then, oh, put into action challenging that limiting belief because in your head you could be like yeah that's a limiting belief and I need to change that but if you then don't take the action of changing that limiting belief in real life and doing something about it then you kind of still stay stagnant in you know that limiting belief so I love that you said like it's a huge like combating and resistance and that's okay it's not supposed to be easy if it was easy everybody would have this beautiful mindset and you know things like that where it's challenging because it's there to help you grow. Like mm-hmm. that's the huge thing. Growing is not supposed to be the simple lackadaisy journey. Mm-hmm. It's you. Like I always think of it as, you know, when you see something grow, like if you see a plant grow, they're buried in the ground. They're a little teeny tiny seed in darkness. And then they grow out of darkness into this beautiful like flower. Like that's why my big thing is always like a sunflower and all my posts and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you're this beautiful sunflower, right? That was easy for the sunflower to do that, right? It's, it's all about, you know, 
going through the process and going through the system. Mm -hmm. And you might be, I, it's also important to realize that it's a process. So you might have really great days of battling the limiting belief or the life trap or the toxic pattern. You may be killing it one day and then it could be literally the next day and everything's all back. And now yeah. you but it's okay. Then you're like, okay, yeah. well, then the next day I'm going to try better again. That's all, right? Exactly, exactly. And I like the plant analogy you gave because there was experiment where you talk to a plant and you talk, you mm -hmm. talk with words of affirmation, you're positive, you give it love versus the plan where you talk negatively, you bring it down. The plant that, that has a negative thought dies, mm -hmm. it's old and it shrivels. Whereas the plant that you feed positive thoughts, love, affirmation, it grows. Mm -hmm. Think of uh, us as the plant, right? We're the plant. If you're going to feed yourself negative thoughts, negativity, beat yourself up, mm -hmm. be mean to yourself, it's going to shrivel. Whereas if you feed it good thoughts, positivity, if you're pushing it and showing it love, it's going to grow. Same thing as us, right? I love Same that. It's, it's, it's really how we develop as human beings is truly the environment we give ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, it's always that conversation where it's like nurture versus, you know, nature. So it's how you brought up versus like where you're brought up sort of deal. I always believed it's a little bit of both where it is, you know, yeah. how you were raised and where you were raised and just how you take care of yourself and then yeah. where you are when you're taking care of yourself. So I think definitely it's a little bit of both that yeah. you need to, you know, hold the accountability of talking positively about yourself, believing in yourself. Right. And you also need to be in the environment or in the situation that helps you grow. You know what I yes. mean? If you yes. are, you know, wanting to let go of, you know, toxic patterns, maybe you need to let go of toxic people, change the environment, change the inner circle. Maybe they're not serving you anymore. Or maybe, you know, you're in like this beautiful new city that you wanted to go to and like start fresh, but you're still doing the same patterns you were doing in like your hometown, right? You got to do mm -hmm. both. You got to mm -hmm. change the way you're acting and then make sure the environment that you are in gives you the space to grow into your most authentic self and where you want to end up and where you want to be. Yeah, I love that. I love that was a question that was asked in our life coaching, life coaching program I did. Like mm -hmm. when you get removed from that toxic environment, does the environment change you or do you change the environment? And it's really up to you. Like you have to be the one who changes, like no matter what environment you put in, you have to be able to handle that adversity. And, and something you brought up too, that I really like is we're, we're not going to have days where it's, everything's like positive and we're mm -hmm. good. We're going to have days that fluctuate, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone. And those days that dip, you have to be able to kind of be okay with whatever emotions you're going through not be yourself up for feeling sad, tired, whatever the emotion is. And then promising yourself to pick it back up the next day mm -hmm. or within the next hour. Mm -hmm. And I recommend people putting post-its anywhere they can, where they see it. Um, that's something I do with my partner when we mm -hmm. fight. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I, I had like moments in the past where I was very impulsive. I would like just get belligerent. It was bad, not with my current partner, but with past partners. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I've learned to really, or I'm learning to really like be in full control of my emotions. And something mm -hmm. that helps is putting post-its around um, more specifically in my car where I can see it, where I'm like, okay, Edna, <laughs> calm down, like, 
you're getting angry over your own fault, not him. Stop blaming. It's you. And it really helps me put things into perspective. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's me. I know. It's always it's like, it's always yeah. me. <laughs> when you like come back to it and you come back to yourself, you're like, oh, it was me. I did. I did. Yeah. This. And you're like, it was me. Mm-hmm. I did the thing I, what, that I'm working on. And like, but that's yeah. okay. No, where you're like, you laugh at yourself. You're like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. Now, when exactly. like, oh, I did the stupid pattern again, I'm so terrible. You know, like, don't react in that way. Be like, oh, I messed up. I'll just fix, you know, the pattern, you know, tomorrow. Cause again, like we're human, like that's okay that we kind of go back and forth with the journey for a reason. Like for me, like I have, it's my phone background. My phone background is kind of like my, um, the affirmation I always look at. And it, mm-hmm. it, I, I it's it says it's like um don't let anyone treat you like free salsa girl you're guac <laughs> yes find a queen like know yeah. your worth know what value that you bring because that's like a reminder that I always need but like I love that that we just leave little reminders for yourself yeah whether it's your phone or post-it notes and stuff like that those tiny little steps that you take like really just expand the journey you know that you're on and so I love that idea and to kind of bring it down to like the last question that I have for you because we could talk for like five (laughs) yes um the last question that I have is what are some tools for women to set boundaries around people pleasing I love that question. Um, it really depends on where you want to put the boundaries because let's say you want to put it with your work, it's going to look a little different from your work versus your family versus Mm -hmm. your friends versus so forth. Right. Mm -hmm. So kind of figuring out where you want to put the boundaries and what's the goal, what's the ideal goal or outcome for these boundaries. Now let's do an example. Let's say someone wants to put boundaries around their work, Mm -hmm. right? That's a great place to start. Figure out what is and what's not okay with you right now during your work. What are you tolerating? What are you not tolerating? For the most part, what I see people uh, or people tell me is that they'll take on job descri- job tasks that are not part of their job description mm-hmm. without getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. And that's a boundary you can put. You can put, unfortunately, this is not part of my job description, mm-hmm. so I won't be able to do it. And no, you know, and that's something I started doing towards the end. Um, personally, I started saying no, saying no, I won't be able to do that. That's not my job description mm-hmm. unless I get compensated for it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But putting boundaries like that would work for work. For family would be um, learning to say no, learning to speak up for yourself, not feeling ashamed for speaking up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, just really learning to put limits with them. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put limits, one of two things is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're either going to be full of guilt for not living the life of you want and your standards or full of resentment, resentment to your family for not living the life your standards so um it's important to put these boundaries if not you're going to live a life of constant toxic cycles burnout exhaustion people Mm -hmm. pleasing perfectionism and what does that lead you Mm -hmm. to really like a life unfulfilled and the ultimate goal is to live a life fulfilled Mm -hmm. right because that's that's happiness is an outcome of a life fulfilled and if you want to be happy that's how you get it by living a life fulfilled 
Mm -hmm. I love that, especially with work, because, you know, for some reason, we're always afraid to say no. I don't know where, I think, I guess we got to find everyone has their childhood and we do find out why we're afraid to say no. Um, but one of even my own experiences as a teacher, because like, they're just like, here, you're also a teacher, but here's all the 10 different jobs that you also need to do. As yeah. And I remember my first year teaching, I'm so glad I, I did it, is um, I work in New York City, um, but I live on Long Island. So I had like an hour commute at the time. And I remember uh, one of the administrators came up to me and I was a, you know, first year teacher and they're like, Hey, do you want to do summer school? And I, was, I never, I'm not doing summer. Summer is for me. So I, yeah. I said, you know, unfortunately, no, I, I just live too far and the commute would just be too much. So unfortunately I'm going to have to like decline doing summer school. And they're like, Oh, okay. Thanks for letting us know. And then walked away, you know, like nothing can, you know, they, they respected the boundary because mm -hmm. I, I said, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing it. So, and it was so nice because I remember like once I got more into teaching and, you know, new teachers be like, oh, they found me for summer school. And I said, yes, and I really didn't want to do it. And I was like, uh-uh, you have to tell them no, you have mm -hmm. to say no and put that boundary. The summer, depending on like some teachers like summer school and, you know, power to you. Yeah. But for me, my boundary was the summer is for me. I just gave 10 months to yeah. my career. Now it's time to rest and digest and rejuvenate. It's okay to say no. You're not going to get yes. fired right? They're not going to get mad at you. And it's, it's going to be okay. They're just gonna be like, Oh, okay. And then, you know, move on. And if they do have a problem with you saying no, honey, it's not the job then for you. You shouldn't be there if your, your job exactly. be okay with your boundaries. You know what I mean? Like even working exactly. with like a corporate job, if they're giving you more than what's on your contract and you're like, no, I'm not doing it unless I'm getting paid for it. And they fire you. That wasn't the job for you anyways. Why would you want to work in a culture that's like that? You know, it's not, that's not serving you in any way. Um, and especially with, you know, when you talked about the boundaries with family, it is so important, especially when you become like an adult and you have your own view, you know, of the world, setting up the boundaries fast. Once you, you know, you're in your twenties and you're kind of realizing the way that you to cultivate the life that you want. It's really important to be clear with your family the boundaries and limits because then all of a sudden you know you get sucked into maybe the family things that you didn't like as a child and then you're stuck there right yeah. and then maybe if you want to have kids and then grandkids are involved that stuff gets really sticky and stuff like that so it's really important that if you're like hmm I really want to set boundaries with my family do it now like when you're feeling mm -hmm. in the moment and setting boundaries you don't have to be mean or nasty about it you could do it in a very polite way and you know what then how they react to it how they react to your boundaries that's their problem that's them right you set the boundary right and if they don't like the boundary that's on them and you got to kind of detach from that so then you you know don't don't get upset over it you know can i add to that because it's sure. really important to talk about like realizing that when you set boundaries there will be consequences oh, there yeah. will whether it's positive or not so positive there will be consequences and you must be willing to accept those consequences example is the, the example I'm going to give is the one you gave mm -hmm. is when you started saying no and putting your limits the consequence was to your favor they didn't fire you they didn't do anything like that right um but let's say someone does get fired and someone says oh my gosh uh you you're not the type of work I want exactly like you said then okay then you're not respecting what I'm asking you this is not the company culture that I want to work for this is not something that's aligned with my values and you have every right to find work elsewhere 
or find a way to continue establishing those boundaries, putting those boundaries, because it's so important for your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And to add to the family example, um, something that I see very often in, especially in the Hispanic culture is that a lot of parents try to parent their children's children. Yeah. And that's where the boundaries are important. For example, my sister just had a baby. He's so cute. But my parents try to parent Mm. my sister and the child. Mm. Right. And I tell her, you know, this is the perfect time to put those boundaries because now you're a parent and you're in charge and you have to teach that to your son. And mm-hmm. now repeat the cycle with my, with grandparents, right? It's like, you just cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, but it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I was going to bounce off what you said where it's important when you're setting boundaries because you're showing how people should treat you. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. You putting the boundaries in place, people know how they're going to interact with mm-hmm. you. So if you put up strong boundaries, people understand, oh, okay, that's Allie's boundary. This is how I interact with her. Where if you don't put up any boundaries and you just say yes all the time and you're people pleasing, that's what's going to happen. You're going to get all this workload or you're going to have all this, you know, family drama, whatever that it is happen because you didn't set up the boundary and you didn't show how you would like to be treated. So people are just going to treat you how you let them treat you at the end of the day. Yeah. And once you put those boundaries, it can be a little scary at first. Yes, it's a little scary, but the more you practice it, implement them and respect those boundaries, the more you'll grow. Right. So like, it wasn't easy for me putting those boundaries with my mom specifically. There was a lot of backlash I got from her. There's a lot of resistance I got from her, but the more and more I stuck to my boundaries, I kid you not the relationship we have right now is beautiful. She mm-hmm. calls me, um, but respects my time. If I need to end the call, she won't guilt trip me for it. She'll go like, okay. Mm-hmm. Recently, she apologized to me. In the past, she would have never apologized. She would have been mm-hmm. self-righteous and said, it's, yep. you're wrong, I'm right. But I truly um, say that's because of boundaries. That's because I started mm-hmm. implementing those boundaries with her. I'm like, no, I, want you allow- I won't allow you to treat me like this anymore. No, I won't allow that anymore. Mm-hmm. gotta go you know things like that really help you and if you're at a place where you feel stuck and you're like I don't know what to do boundaries is a great place to start and if you need help like that's where you can ask one of us for help like hey okay let's start implementing boundaries in your own personal life because it looks different for everyone yeah I agree and it's actually funny that you said that you put boundaries with your mom because I did I had a similar situation where you know I have that that strong Italian mom and you know she was never wrong and you know she you know was always you know her way or the highway sort of deal and I remember I because I when I used to live at home you know I was a full-blown adult like working a job like I had my own life and I let her know that I was like you can't the similar thing like you can't talk to me that way like you need to also apologize and admit that you're wrong like you know if we get into an argument it's a two-way street I said things I didn't mean you said things you didn't mean and if that you know doesn't work like our relationship is going to dwindle right mm-hmm. especially I told her, I was like I'm moving out soon and if you want to keep having our relationship we got to make sure that we fix these things mm-hmm. and you know now that I moved out and she respected also the boundary like at first you're like eh, you know like the whole like what do you mean bah, bah, bah. but once she realized it too now our relationship is better than ever you know I love yeah. going over there and I love going home and visiting her and talking to her and, and things like that because I set up that boundary and yeah like you said it is very scary 
but the consequence that came out of it was a better relationship with my mom. It's kind of like yeah. the risk, like high risk, high reward. Yeah. Getting a boundary, especially with a mother, <laughs> is oh, yeah. high risk. <laughs> yes. Very high risk. Um, but the high reward is creating a sustainable relationship with your mom because, you know, if I didn't set that boundary, I don't know where our relationship would be. You know, so mm-hmm. it was the risk was worth the consequence in that scenario. Yes, I love that. Very well said. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Edna, I mean, I loved our conversation. I thought it was beautiful and it was great because we just popped on. Like, we had a quick conversation, then we just jumped right into it. Like, we're literally talking for the first time, like meeting each other for the yes, first time. Yes. This was our first time actually meeting virtually like this. So, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was just such a genuine and beautiful and honest and open conversation. And I loved it so much. So, where could the Growth Mindset Gang find you, follow you, all those wonderful things? On Instagram, I'm, I just started TikTok. My handle is coach.ed.la. Mm-hmm. I get all my information, post everything on there. So if you want to find more information, it's on my Instagram at coached.la. Got it. And I'll put that in the show notes. And you're also a life coach. So all of your services and stuff probably linked in your bio, right? On Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I should have mentioned that in the beginning. I am a life coach. <laughs> I'm a mentor. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. All that's on the Instagram. All right. Amazing. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go follow Edna. She, let me tell you, she creates the most beautiful content when it shows up on my page. I'm just like, yes, this is what I needed. It was so amazing. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, hopefully they will tag it on their stories, tag me, tag Edna. And again, Edna, thank you so much for coming on today, taking the time out of your day to have this wonderful conversation with me today. Thank you again. I appreciate you so much. This was so fun and I'm looking forward to when this airs. Thank you. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Edna. I We had such a great time having this conversation with each other. And we didn't even do a rehearsal or a meetup beforehand. We just popped right on to the Zoom link. We said our hellos and we just jumped right in and instantly had just an amazing, genuine conversation. And I hope you guys found the, you know, insight that Edna had to be useful in your everyday life. And if you enjoy this episode, give Edna a follow. All of her, you know, connections are in the show notes, her Instagram, her website. She's a life coach and she provides amazing coaching services. So please make sure you head into her website that's linked in the show notes and see if there's any services that she offers that truly resonate with you. And honestly, I felt like I went through a coaching session with her with our conversation. It was so sweet and genuine and just so so loving and warm. And I just, I loved talking with Edna. It was amazing. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please follow Edna, share this on your story, tag me, tag Edna, make sure you share this with a friend that could really use it. Please write a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate also, and please rate me on Spotify. That would mean literally the most to me. And I love just going through the reviews and really seeing the impact that it has on you. And that's what's the motivation of keeping this amazing podcast going. So I'd really appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how our community grows even bigger. So you guys know, grow your mindset and look how far you'll go. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.
of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.